From Brennan to the Bocachil, from Lamy to La Push, and from the lordly Salduck to lovely Duckabush. From Samish to Sammamish, Suquamish to Quillacine, the climate is so friendly, it's a land that's evergreen. Hello, and welcome to the History of the Evergreen State podcast. I'm your host, John C., and thank you for joining me today for episode 94, Twisp in the Metau Valley. Located at the junction of the Twisp and Metau Rivers in the eastern foothills of the North Cascade Mountains is the small town of Twisp in Okanagan County in the north-central Evergreen State. Because of its strategic location, approximately halfway down the Metau Valley from the mountain headwaters to the Columbia River, Twisp has grown to become the largest town and most important commercial center in the valley since it was established during Washington's last decade of the 19th century. Researchers believe that the first people to live in the Metau Valley arrived as far back as 10,000 years ago. In the beginning, they lived year-round in pit houses, which were excavated permanent shelters covered with woven mats of grass or reeds for roofing and made of local materials. Pit house foundations have been discovered at 18 separate sites in the Metau Valley, according to archaeologists. Early occupants may have built boats out of enormous cedars that grew in the upper valley, leaving stumps of trees that were considered to be around 500 years old at the time that they were cut down, according to studies that were conducted by the U.S. Forest Service. By the early 1800s, Metau Indians were riding horses, and by the time the first non-Indian explorers and miners arrived in the Metau Valley in the mid to late 1800s, valley residents were living a more seasonal lifestyle than their forefathers. In customary gathering spots, they established big temporary camps, and in the more remote locations, they established smaller outlying camps, from which they procured and processed food and other resources. According to historian E. Richard Hart, the Metau Indians were a unique group that fished, hunted, and foraged for sustenance across the river drainage. Fishermen used spears and dip nets to catch fish, and they also constructed wares in a few locations, including one right below the current location of Twisp. Camps were occupied throughout the hunting and gathering seasons and in the summer and fall. The Metau's population was severely diminished, as was the population of their neighbors, as a result of the smallpox outbreaks that began in the late 18th century. During the first half of the 19th, the population was claimed to have been cut in half, and then by 1900, the population had been cut in half again. According to the 1883 census, there were slightly more than 300 Metau, indicating that the pre-contact population may have been as high as 1,200 people. The Metau Valley was included in a section of property reserved by the federal government for Chief Moses and the Columbia River Indians, which included a portion of the Metau Valley. That original reservation stretched from the Canadian border south to include Lake Chelan and from the crest of the Cascade Mountains on the west to the Columbia River on the east. It was the largest reservation in the United States. The borders of the reservation, however, would be altered drastically by executive orders issued by Presidents Chester A. Arthur and Grover Cleveland in 1883 and 1886. In 1886, the Metau was made accessible to non-Indians for mining and habitation. Many early prospectors were drawn to the Metau Valley and up the tributaries of the Twisp and Metau Rivers by the prospect of striking it rich in gold. The towns of Gilbert, at the headwaters of the Twisp River and Squaw Creek, up the drainage of the same name outside the later town of Metau, were born and then died as dreams were dashed or mines were shuttered in the area. There were only a few profitable mines in the surrounding area, however, it was from the seeds sowed by the early miners and their families that roads, towns, and businesses sprung up to serve the homesteaders who followed in the footsteps of these miners. The area's initial entrepreneurs were in the business of supplying prospectors with supplies. In some situations, the miners stayed and went on to become ranchers or loggers. 
The earliest mineral discoveries in the vicinity of Twisp were made in the late 1880s. The Alder, Crescent, and Redshirt mines were among the three mines identified in the Twisp Mining District by 1897, with the Alder mine being the most productive. Pulpick Mountain, about five miles south of Twisp, was the site of the first significant discovery of load gold in the Metau Valley, which occurred in the late 1880s. It was because of this find, which included silver and copper, that silver in the adjoining Redshirt Mine came to be established. The Redshirt Mine produced approximately $100,000 in gold and silver during the course of its existence, but never enough to really turn a decent profit. The Alder Mine was one of the most prosperous in the Metau Valley's mining history. T.H. Colbertson discovered gold in 1896 while panning for gold at the mouth of Alder Creek near Twisp. He began working his way up the creek until he came across the outcrop that contained the metal. By the time he had staked his claims, he had become unable to develop the properties due to a combination of poor drilling equipment and his own deteriorating physical condition. Later owners constructed a big mill on the property's outskirts and the mine continued to operate intermittently over the years. During the Second World War, the mine produced zinc, which was considered a key war element at the time. The ore was trucked north to Trail, British Columbia, where it was processed for zinc, copper, and a little bit of gold, among other things. In total, around $1 million worth of ore was delivered from the mine. Throughout the history and generations of the area, mining claims and stories are intertwined with one another. The Clinkert family, the first of whom arrived in the valley in 1897, was a mining family at heart, with mining running through their veins. Before arriving in the Twisp River Valley, John Clinkert Sr. had worked at a number of different mines. In the early days of Twisp, when seasoned old miners rode into town at a gallop, burst through the saloon doors, and fired their rifles into the ceiling while roaring with delight, old John remembered. At the time, gold dust could be used to pay for items, and some businesses possessed gold scales on their premises. In the absence of a gold scale, a teaspoon of the hard-earned colors would be accepted as an ounce of gold in a store. Even today, a few longtime Metau Valley families maintain mining claims high in the surrounding hills, although the mining boom of 1893-1894 had all but died out by the turn of the century, when large numbers of families looking for homesteads began to arrive. The town of Twisp can trace its beginnings back to the 30th of July, 1897, when homesteader Henry C. Glover laid out and platted a town he called Gloversville on the town's present site. In the same year, a small store was opened, followed by a post office not long after. Glover took over as postmaster of the town from James Colwell in 1898, at the time of which the town was oddly known as Twisp. It is not known where exactly the term Twisp came from, despite several explanations of its meaning, such that it is a Native American word for wasp or yellow jacket, or that it is a sound made by a wasp. According to one Okanagan County historian, the town may have been named by the United States Postal Service. In any case, it is known that Amanda P. Burgar, another early pioneer in the area, laid out the town of Twisp on the 29th of June, 1899, immediately opposite to Gloversville, which was afterwards regarded to be part of Twisp. Whatever the origin of the town's name, Twisp was already regarded as one of the most important communities in Okanagan County by 1904. A great number of local enterprises were supported by a large population of miners and ranchers. Several general stores, a doctor who also owned a drugstore, butcher shops, livery barns, a hotel, a boarding house with a billiard room, a blacksmith shop, two saloons, the state fish hatchery, an opera house, a weekly newspaper, and the Methodist church were all listed by an unnamed early scribe whose work was published in 1904 in History of North Washington. The unidentified author went on to say that there were 75 students enrolled in schools and that the town was home to fraternal organizations such as the Foresters of America and the Woodmen of the World, among other groups. 
there was long-distance telephone service to areas beyond the region, as well as a barbed wire telephone system that served ranches and other locations closer to the city. Twisp and Brewster were also connected by stagecoach that ran on a daily basis. A regular sight to the early homesteaders, as well as to their children and grandchildren, were the Metau Indians. Families continued to camp in their traditional locations, such as on both sides of the Metau River at its confluence with the Twisp River and Twisp, in Heckendorn at the southern end of present-day Winthrop, and on homesteads whose residents welcomed them and with whom they visited and traded goods. Charlie Clinkert, who ran the salmon hatchery in Twisp in 1898, once counted 200 teepees at an encampment. The town's first creamery was founded in 1903 by James Holcomb, a butter producer from Ellensburg who had moved to the area. An individual from the area purchased the company and went on to increase its operations. As a result, a dairy business was established, which benefited many local families who had a small herd of dairy cows. Farmers like this carried their cream to town once a week and sold it to butter makers in Twisp and Winthrop, generating cash that helped them to pay for the monthly land payments that were due on their properties. A truckload of butter was taken overland twice a week to the Brewster Steamboat Landing, where it was distributed to places along the Columbia River and as far as Seattle. Approximately 85,000 pounds of butter were produced during the fiscal year of 1903, according to the Winthrop Creamery's 1913 report to the government. The town's business continued to prosper. Twist was officially established on the 6th of August 1909 with the election of its first officers. Stock going loose, liquor permits for saloons, curfews, and peddlers were some of the major issues that came before the five-member town council on that Tuesday. During that summer, when local option polls were held across the Evergreen State to determine whether or not communities would accept prohibition, which had been rejected at the state level in 1889, Twisp had two saloons. On election day, both saloons provided free beverages throughout the day and into the evening. However, according to one witness who spoke to the Riverside Argus, although all 88 qualifying voters had visited one or both open houses on that day, the vote was 56 to 32 in favor of the wet option. There was no explanation given as to why 32 people took advantage of the hospitality of the bar operators while voting against the selling of alcoholic beverages. But if I had to guess, they probably weren't able to pass up a free drink, even if they didn't really agree with it, because, I mean, let's be real, a lot of the people that were against Prohibition in those days tended to kind of drink in the closet, so to speak, so it's not all that surprising that a few of them chose to have a drink and then voted for Prohibition. Twisp was the first town in the valley to have electricity and a movie theater, which opened in 1911. Until 1913, the Great Northern Railway's track got the closest to the Metau Valley at Pateros, which is located where the Metau runs into the Columbia River. The Great Northern Railway's track reached Pateros in 1913. However, there had been others who had hoped for decades that the day would come when train service would be extended up the valley and boxes of apples would be able to be shipped abroad. In the early 1900s, a rail connection from the Bellingham Bay and British Columbia Railroad to the Pacific Coast was proposed to cross the North Cascade Mountains, though it never actually amounted to anything. During a 1910 trip to the Metau Valley, T.W. Graham, a traveling freight agent for the Great Northern Railway, reported seeing numerous irrigation ditches, thousands of apple trees, copper and gold mining, and millions of board feet of timber, all of which prompted him to recommend the construction of a branch line from Pateros to early winters. Graham predicted that the Metau Valley would ultimately produce as many apples as the Wenatchee Valley, enough to load 10,000 automobiles per year, according to an article. In the end, though, his advice was ignored. Six years later, another attempt would be made, this time to construct a spur line from the Great Northern Line at Pateros to Twisp and Winthrop. The Metau Valley and Eastern Railway was officially established through the filing of incorporation papers.
On the 12th of May, 1917, S.S. Callahan, a twist promoter, reported that the Erickson brothers of Krupp, Washington, had signed a contract to build the line within a year of the announcement of the deal. To really no one's astonishment, there was not a single tie laid at any point during the whole event. In common with most early communities in the Evergreen State, the town of Twisp was primarily constructed of wood, and, like so many other booming towns, it would be destroyed by a terrible fire. On the 24th of July, 1924, shortly after midnight, a fire broke out at the Dr. Holmes' home and office in downtown Twisp. Due to the extreme heat, the doctor and his wife were roused and managed to grab their two children before fleeing. There were no fatalities in this incident. A gentle breeze, on the other hand, propelled the blaze forward, and it devoured two residences and 23 buildings in the downtown business sector within only an hour and a half. Within the fire zone, only the Filer and McAllister grocery store in the vault of the commercial bank were able to escape. It was no coincidence that all of these structures were constructed of red brick. It was the sound of the fire bell and an orange glow above downtown Twisp that woke Marie Filer Risley, who resided just north of town when she recalled waking up in the early morning hours. Her husband, Leonard, left the house to go into town, leaving her at home with their child. Because it was so hot and the fire was on both sides of the roadway, the fire hoses that were brought out into the middle of the street just burned up like paper, recalled a firefighter who was injured attempting to fight the blaze. When the Columbia River and its tributaries flooded in 1948, the National Weather Service declared it to have been the second most severe weather event to occur in the Evergreen State since 1900. Twenty people lost their lives, and the damage was estimated to be worth $100 million across the state. The Metow Valley sustained about $4 million in damage, with power, telephone lines, all bridges, countless residences, and many acres of land, including orchards and pastures, all lost or severely disrupted. One local man passed away while clearing rubble in another section of the county, according to authorities. Leonard Risley, who flew a tiny plane from the elementary school playfield across the Roaring Metow River to pick up a generator from the Wagner Lumber Company mill on the other side, is one of the fantastic stories that have come out of Twisp during the flood. The food his customers had kept in his more than 100 freezer lockers was rescued because he flew back to town and hooked up the generator. Early homesteaders relied on their ability to down trees and make timber to survive, as many of them had to clear their land before they could build a house or plant crops. A common sight in the Metow Valley during the early 20th century, however, were commercial sawmills that supplied jobs for local residents. By the 1940s, logging had become a major industry. Ernest and Otto Wagner, a father and son duo, opened and operated the second largest logging enterprise in Okanagan County. Following the fire that destroyed the Okanagan Mill in 1943, Otto Wagner relocated his operations to Twisp, where he began logging at first 80% pine from the lush drainages of the Metow Valley. In due course, his payroll grew to 125 people. Twisp was also the site of the construction of a new sawmill, power plant, and dry kilns in 1941. Rough kiln dried lumber from the Twisp mill was taken to the Wagner mill in Okanagan, where it was planed and put through the apple box machine. In the early 1950s, the Wagner mill in Twisp constructed a briquette machine to generate briquette stoker fuel for the use in heating of homes and businesses. In the late 1950s, cardboard replaced wood for apple boxes, but the company diversified once more and began manufacturing wood chips for use in paper products in the 60s. The following was reported in the local newspaper in 1963. The mill operates on two eight-hour shifts. The company employs a total of 270 individuals who work as loggers, truck drivers, mill workers, and other related jobs. Twisp Wagner Mill employs men who go every day from Mazama, Winthrop, Carlton, Metow, and Okanagan to work. Its payroll provides the majority of the inhabitants of Twisp, as well as the whole Metow Valley, with their primary source of income and support. 
The valley was, and continues to be, surrounded by public land from which the United States Forest Service sells timber to the general public. According to Howard Weller in 1988, who wrote on the logging history of the area, stating, From horses and wagons in the late teens and early twenties, driving horses cross-hauling or rolling the logs onto a wagon with a team of horses to small tractors, modern trucks, mobile loaders, line skidders, and the latest developments in the logging industry, and helicopter logging in the present time, I've witnessed and assisted in the advancement of the logging industry. Agricultural producers in the area suffered greatly as a result of a prolonged drought that began in 1913 and didn't end until 1929, according to some estimates. Irrigation canals were built in a mad hurry in order to supply water to shriveling crops, but not everyone was fortunate enough to obtain water in good time. Many families who had settled in the foothills above the rivers and relied on dryland farming were forced to quit their operations. Additionally, many acres of apple orchards were established in the early 1900s with the goal of achieving commercial success in addition to fruit trees grown for personal consumption. In 1914, the first railroad load from Metow Valley was carried from Bateros to Boston, which included 350 crates of the apples grown in the valley. Unfortunately, there would be no profits from this venture. And, with the advent of the ongoing drought, it became clear that cultivating apples was not going to be a profitable endeavor. Some productive local orchards existed until the record-breaking winter of 1968-69 wiped them out. A limited number of small commercial organic orchardists and hobby gardeners are currently working to restore remnants of earlier orchards and plant new trees in the area. However, the majority of large commercial orchards are located along the Columbia River in much warmer climates. Helen Crinky Watson grew up on a farm outside of Twisp and she recalled her childhood as follows. We had a large number of cows. It was only a small cream check, but it was critical. The chickens and pigs were treated the same way. Some people had a few sheep and a few cattle on their property. However, it wasn't self-sufficient. It took a great deal of effort. In the event that you spent any money, it was for groceries that you couldn't get on the farm. In addition, mother and father kept bees. The bees for honey production numbered in 10 to 12 colonies in total. We were all hard at work. Everyone put in their time. Alfalfa is currently the most important agricultural crop in the valley. At least two, and frequently three, cuttings are grown in a single growing season. In recent years, grain crops in the Metau Valley, including emmer and ancient wheat, have been produced organically in accordance with organic principles. In addition, numerous small farms raise veggies for sale in the local community. Although the number of cattle ranchers has decreased since the early 20th century, a small number of people continue to raise cattle in the valley. The other animals raised for commercial sale include sheep, pigs, and poultry, to name but a few. As well as this, an increasing number of people are keeping bees and selling their honey. The decline of the timber industry, the closure of the lumber mill, and the consolidation of the Twisp and Winthrop Ranger districts by the United States Forest Service, which resulted in the loss of more than six acres of land and the demolition of 17 buildings within the city limits, have all contributed to the steady decline of the number of jobs in Twisp over the past few decades. The opening of the North Cascades Highway, State Route 20, in 1972, on the other hand, was a catalyst for significant change in Twisp and the entire Metau Valley. It resulted in an influx of full-time resident retirees and seasonal recreationalists, resulting in a rise in the number of occupations that can accommodate their requirements. The Metau Valley has long been a destination for hunters and snowmobilers, but now bicyclists and cross-country skiers have joined the ranks. As of 2011, half of the privately owned land in the valley is owned by people who do not reside in the valley itself full-time. Twisp is still the most populous town in the Metau Valley. Despite the fact that it has the greatest number of commercial firms and basic services, it is still very much considered to be a rural area. 
According to the 2010 census, the town had a population of 919 people who lived on 1.2 square miles of land inside its borders. However, those figures are misleading because many more people live in the surrounding unincorporated area, particularly in the Twisp River Valley, than are included in the official population figures. Agriculture and ranching continue to be key components of the local economy, but they do not employ many people on a huge scale. The Twisp of today is a hive of activity for a variety of small businesses. The Metow Valley News, which was established in 1903 and continues to print weekly, is the oldest newspaper in the area. The old brick school building was converted into a community center housing a public library, various offices, educational, and musical venues. In 2012, the building commemorated its centennial anniversary. According to some residents, the town of Twisp is a blue-collar community, particularly when compared to Winthrop, which is more touristy and was redeveloped in the early 1970s as a themed town with western facades. However, it is also true that the Twisp Food Bank is situated between an old-fashioned tavern and an upscale organic food store. Furthermore, the feed shop is directly across the alley from the Merck Playhouse, a former store that now hosts performances by professional actors and musicians. Following the most recent census, there has been a shift to a slightly older populace with more formal education, which may explain the proliferation of galleries and microbreweries in the area. Looking back through the pages of the town's history, perhaps the most resounding truth is that it continues to be a community that has something to offer for just about everyone. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a 5-star review and don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. Doing so really helps the show to grow and to expand to a new audience, so any help that you can give in that regard will be greatly appreciated. Sources for this episode include Mazama, The Past 125 Years by Doug Devon, the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the National Forest Service, HistoryLink.org, the Okanagan County Historical Society, Washington Rural Heritage, Bound for the Metow by Kit McLean and Karen West, the Metow Valley News, The Smiling Country, A History of the Metow Valley by Sally Portman, the Schaefer Historical Museum, and the Seattle Times. Thank you for listening to episode 94, Twisp in the Metow Valley. Episode 95 will be released next week. A special thank you goes out to Alan Hirsch for providing the music for the podcast. If you have any questions about the show, please contact historyoftheevergreenstatepod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of the History of the Evergreen State Podcast. And until next time, I'm your host, John C. There's peace on the Skokomish, on the Queets and on the Hull. There's calm on the Nisqually, born of ageless ice and snow. A land that nature loves so much, she stays the whole year round. I trade a royal palace for a shack on Puget Sound. There's Chimicum and Stillicum, where spouts the gooey duck. The singing Stilliguamish and the swirling Skookum Chuck. And Moclips and Copalis. Where the razor clams abound A little bit of heaven Is a shack on Puget Sound A little bit of heaven Is a shack on Puget Sound